Welcome to the Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they have both defined the odds and what you can learn from their experience. Today, we have an amazing, an amazing, amazing, amazing person. Um, <laughs> but we always have amazing people on the podcast. But I will just allow you to be the judge of this episode. And in my usual fashion, you know, I don't like introducing people. Um, I'll allow these introduce himself. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for welcoming me. Well, I'm Dees, uh, or Desigan Chinya, which is my full name. But you can say that. Uh, I'm actually based in London. I'm sitting in my loft right now this morning uh, after coming back from San Francisco. So I'm pretty jet lagged. So forgive anything, any slowness in my conversation today. I'm actually South African, uh, but I'm based in London. Got here in 1999. Met a girl. That girl's now my wife. She's Dutch. My kids are English and confused. Not a very abnormal story uh, in these days and times. I'm been involved in the dot-com world, the technology world for the last two decades. Um, worked for some of the dot-coms that you probably remember, like early Skype, eBay, PayPal, Ask Jeeves, the BBC, and then spent a decade at Mozilla and Firefox from Firefox 3.8, which is sort of mid-2010. Um, yeah, that's that's me. That, that, it, I, I didn't even know where to start. Um I, that's actually, I mean, I'm going to unpack everything anyways. First of all, I mean, most of us were not, <laughs> I wouldn't say we're not relevant, but we didn't even know what tech was in that dot-com boom. What was tech like back in the days? Back in the days? I, I You know, sometimes I, I think about it and I'm like, I don't even know if I was that early, right? Like um, mid-2000s, uh, there, were, there were probably people a lot earlier than me. Um, so in some way, lots of people use this label, these are a tech OG or web OG. I don't even know if that's true. Um, but it was pretty interesting, right? I was probably at the, after the first bubble burst as such, um, everyone was getting back on there on the horse and, and having a good time and everything was, anything went, right? It was kind of the, the foundations of web 2.0, if you want. Um, it's pretty interesting times, you know, nothing was, uh, was, was not, not an idea that someone would want to pursue. Um, everyone was creative, everyone was energetic. Um, and, and I was, even though I was based in, in London, I was only working for West coast based companies. Uh, and every visit to the, at that time, the proverbial Valley, uh, was pretty energizing. Um, you know, and, and they were just, everyone was approachable, you know, there wasn't a large number of people. Uh, so sometimes I, I think back and, and, and a lot of those people are my friends now, you know, just, just a few weeks ago, I was in San Francisco and I said to someone, oh, damn, you know, I, I, I don't think we can, we can grab coffee with Brendan, uh, because he's got a sick household. And, and somebody said, which Brendan? And, and I said, Brendan Ike, and, and then the person went, the person that created JavaScript. And I went, oh yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, but I don't think about it that way because we were in Mozilla, Mozilla Labs as teammates. 
in 2010. And uh, those sorts of people are just my friends, right? We, we were just a bunch of misfits put together at that time, taking on Microsoft and Internet Explorer. Um, so maybe akin to some of the building that's happening in the world of Web3 today. Interesting. You, you use the term a bunch of misfits. And one thing that I know about founders is that they oftentimes feel like they're misfits. People don't necessarily get the way they see things or the way they want to do things. Um, is there a way to turn this into a superpower? Uh, I think it is already a superpower, right? You don't have to turn it into a superpower. You just think about things differently. You do things differently. Uh, even in that time at Mozilla, uh, you know, we were, I was number hundred at Mozilla, but I don't believe that there were more than eight or 10 people that had university degrees. Uh, I certainly was not one of them. Um, so, you know, we were ragtag people, bunch of people that cared about technology, didn't really believe anything would hold you back. Like why not try something? Um, and we were just, you know, willing to, to have a go at things. And I think that in itself is a superpower, right? Um, you, you just have to surround yourself by similar people because otherwise you get bogged down and, and you get caught up in a whole lot of other things. And that may take away maybe some of your feelings that you have superpowers. Mm -hmm. Talking about university degree, let's go back to how you began this journey. First of all, did you ever see yourself in this space growing up, right? In the tech space, um, and with all the experience you've gone on over the years and how did this happen? The short answer is no, you know, uh, I'm a boy from Durban on the East coast of South Africa, a third largest city. So it's not Johannesburg where, where the money is or Cape Town where the tourists go to, you know, I also have a, an, you know, I'm African, but I have an Indian background and, and you can imagine that conversations within families are, you know, are they going to become a lawyer, doctor, engineer, maybe. Um, so that was never in the plan. Um, I remember doing a little bit of like having a hotmail address and, 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 and doing a few things online very early on, but you know, we didn't even have a home connection. I didn't, didn't even own a computer until I was maybe quite a few years into, into industry already. Right. Um, so no, that, that was never the thought I got to the UK and it turned out that I, I was working for a telecoms project, which, uh, was kind of office work that gave you access to a computer, but it was also shift work. And I found myself sometimes on a night shift with many hours to spare and connectivity to the internet, which was not uh, a very commonplace thing those days, sort of, uh, you know, think Y2K, millennium, going into 2000s, that people even in offices in, in well-paid jobs didn't necessarily have open access to the internet. I did. Um, and I started opening up Notepad and just coding in simple HTML5, you know, getting a blink tag to go on the screen was an amazing thing, right? And that just sent this this kind of me on this journey and this rat hole of 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 exploring and being creative. And um, I started just having these feelings that I want to get into this industry, not even caring uh, what 
what the remuneration was or anything like that. And it turned out after a lot of perseverance, I had this conversation at the time with a company that was called Ask Jeeves and, and I didn't know a lot about it. Um, and I got a job being a web designer. And I remember in my first few few weeks, I asked my, my then person that hired me, John Lee, hey, John, like, why did you hire me? And he was something along the lines of, hey, Dees, you know, yes, you're right. I, I met a lot of very qualified people, people that had been doing MSDS, people that had been even coding in Flash and, and other kind of you know, skills that they had. But I realized that all of them would become bored with this job in a matter of weeks because they were pretty highly skilled at that point in time. And I needed someone who was just curious and energetic that didn't know much, but just wanted to learn. And that was you. And that was the start of my dot-com journey. And since then, I don't even think, I said this to someone the other day, I don't even think I've used a recruiter since then, right? It's just one thing led to another. Networks, relationships, coworkers, uh, former execs have just led to my journey just continuing in, the, in this technology world. Yeah, you, you've alluded to networks and relationships right from the very start of this conversation. And I mean, it's one thing to go out and meet people and form relationships. It's another thing to, would I say, manage and nurture that relationship. Do you have any advice on how to nurture relationships? Be authentic. It's the simple one, right? But be yourself. Uh, I... I don't know, and and I and I believe you know. Uh, some people ask me these: How do you create networks? How do you maintain your relationships? I know, I don't. It's, I struggle to find an answer to that, if I'm honest. And and sometimes when I do think deeply about it, um, a lot of it probably goes back to my upbringing. Uh, you know, Durban, like or South Africa, like many other places. <laughs> Uh, sometimes in the frontier market world, uh, it's really all about who you know and not what you know. And in some way, that hustler spirit in a good way, you know, I use the word hustler in a very good way sense, um, is natural in my DNA. It's, it's what I think about. It's what I do. Uh, and and I, I index very highly on that. You know, I play the long game. It's not about you do something for me, I do something for you. Um, I like to be helpful. I probably paid forward, you know, nine times out of 10. Um, I, I don't know, like, you know, I, I haven't been to San Francisco for three years, but I was there last week and I had five breakfasts and five dinners and I met over 50 people or 60 people that I haven't seen for three years. And they all want to spend time with me, right? Yet they haven't seen me, maybe a tweet here or there, maybe an email here or there. And that's just something that you've got to be authentic about. Hmm. Oh, by the way, this is one of the best people to have conversations with because you, you would go around the world and back in conversations with him. You talk about everything. I was talking about every, everything. I, I think that your your family is one that is a true representation of what the world should be. I mean, your wife is from, where did you say your wife was from, Germany? My wife's dad, she's from the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's from the Netherlands. You're from South Africa, moved to London. It's like you're, you're 
the proper archetype of what of what the world should look like right now in terms of you know cultural difference differences rather how, how have you been able to manage that um listen have conversations be curious like ask questions i think it kind of helps that um somewhat you know south africans we're pretty straightforward having said that i am married to a dutch person who you know if if you if you should want bluntness then then you definitely want to want to go to the netherlands um so we're just very straightforward very transparent very open and i like getting on the ground you know it's not so great for the for for the planet uh in terms of getting on planes all the time but i i love doing that right just immersing myself in the culture, understanding, trying to be around people and what they actually get up to. I, I have these kind of scenarios where sometimes I fly in somewhere and I'll tell someone, hey, like, what are you doing on this day on a weekend or what have you? Let's let's go hang out, right? And then I realize we end up somewhere and sometimes I, I'll say to them, so is this what you do? Like we may be at a cafe or a bar or something. And and they may say, uh, I would ask them, is this what you normally do with your friends like on a weekend? And they're like, no, not really. Um, this is the first time I've been here. And I'm like, well, why Why are we here then? And they're like, because you know, I thought that you were someone visiting and I had to think really hard about where you would want to go to. And this is this disconnect, right? Like. I actually want to go to where they would be hanging out, like, and what they would be doing as locals. And here they are thinking that they need to maybe impress or take care of their guest. And so they think of something totally different. And um, when you get more, you know, when you form better relationships with these people, it's it's then when they, you start exploring and, and doing what they would normally do with their friends and their family, whether it's on a weekend or during the week. And I think that for me is the most exciting bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, suffice to say, you've had a successful career in technology and business. Um, what are some of the key moments that you would say are pivotal in your journey? Is it meeting with person X? Is it making a certain decision to, to maybe um, leave a job? What were those pivotal moments for you? I, I don't, you know, necessarily, there have been so many, right? Like over two decades, the, the, then they're countless. Um, I, you know, I think all of them were important, right? Like when I think back about all those journeys, experiences, even the ones that didn't go so well, right? Like, um, I sometimes some of my best uh, moments were when things that ultimately weren't seen or deemed to be successful. Uh, you know, a, a good example. So is Firefox OS. I, I worked in Firefox OS for, for a few years and I ran the app ecosystem. And Firefox OS, for those that don't know, was um, entry-level affordable smartphone for frontier emerging markets with an operating system built totally on web technology, so totally open, um, not nothing proprietary. In effect, taking on Android and, and iOS today and even at the time, Windows Phone, right? Um, and ultimately, it, it it didn't go anywhere, right? It, it's it's a project now that 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 some others have taken on in the form of KaiOS, etc. But but wasn't successful all by all accounts, right? Um, but when I think back about that, like that journey alone 
meant that I suddenly got out of my kind of normal day-to-day, which is being in U- the UK and Europe um, and, and obviously spending a lot of time in, in the US, traveling to the US a lot for, for, for work. But suddenly I found myself a week in Mumbai, a week in Mexico City, a week in Johannesburg. Uh, and that's just mentioning some, right? Uh, it meant I went to j- spend time in Japan multiple times, in Russia, in Poland, in Senegal. And as someone who loves network people culture, like I truly have now a global network, right? And that was all off the back of something that proverbially has failed. And so people sometimes look at, at failures as just that and think those terrible experiences. But I would say that some people have had the best experiences, even when involved in things that didn't quite make it. Hmm. But I'm still going to push. <laughs> okay, give me one, 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 one moment that you, you, that just changed your worldview, changed everything for you. Well, um, you're really putting me on the spot. What, what changed the moment for me? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, one of that one of the the big achievements, which is like my mini claim to fame, I guess, is like, you know, I helped to deprecate Flash from the web. Um and to people that weren't around then, I mean Flash was everything, right? Everything was Flash, but it was filled with security issues and a whole lot of other things that would have made the web not a great place. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I, I helped with, and I, I played a big part in HTML5 or the HTML5, starting with HTML5 gaming, uh, but ultimately led to the to the deprecation of Flash. Um, so, you know, in some small way, you can thank me for using a safer internet today. Woo! I wish I had the bell to ring. <laughs> okay, so... We're going to go into a section where I just um, read out questions from some of our listeners. Um, Musa from Kanu State in Nigeria sent a question, and he asked, uh, if you're starting now, what will you do differently from what you have done? Oh, I mean, when I started, it was a a different world, right? So, you know, we're talking, what, uh, early 2000s. Um, uh, I think... I would have, um, I would have thought more about l- later in my career, right? Well, I would have thought more deeply about like, what is it? What, what, what do I want to leave this world with? Uh, you know, when I, when I started out, I was just, this is kind of cool. I get paid to do the stuff that I enjoy. Um, and it maybe had a little bit less thinking on like, uh, how can you, you know, use the opportunity to change society or to uh, plug in certain gaps that you see or the future of the world, etc. It was just me hanging around with technology and I was getting paid to do this and I still was pinching myself because I was getting paid to do it, right? Um, so it was just a job uh, and having fun, which is great. Uh, but I think, you know, later on, well, what is it that, what change do you want to enact, right? Uh, because ultimately, you, you don't spend a lot of time doing that. And if you have the opportunity to, to affect some change, I think later in life, now that I have kids, family, friends, um, 
see the world changing, uh, I probably would have thought a little bit more about that. Huh. And then I have a question from Josh in London, and he he, he said, "What have has been some of the biggest risks you've taken, and has those risks paid off?" Uh, move continents three or four times in my life. Um, you know, at the time you like, why would you, why would you ever do that, right? Um, go with the flow, like, yeah go explore, figure out what, what, what you really want to get out of bed for. Um, you know, uh, some people at the time I was a generalist when nobody wanted to be a generalist, right? Everyone wanted specialists. Um, everyone, including obviously family pressures was all about studying and, and getting a degree and, and, this is not for me to say that nobody should do that because it's it's really important to, and I probably missed a few things or opportunities when I think back on like not necessarily having some grounded thinking in in some forms of education. But yeah, for me, that was a big risk, right? No, no university degree, just high school. Moved continents, didn't know anyone, a few hundred pounds in my, in my wallet. Um, yeah, it all seems terrible then, but to just just take take chances have a go at it right you never know what happens um and i always say like you know you don't you don't get if you don't ask right and if you form good relationships you can always ask people people want to help mm, sure and the last question from our listeners which kind of ties into one of the questions i was going to ask you um you've spoken a lot in the past about building diverse teams studying tech um, can you share some insights on how companies can attract and retain a more diverse workforce? Be empathetic, right? Empathy goes a long way. Like just having some set of numbers or um, like some chart that tell, you know, <laughs> being loud and having a megaphone about how diverse you are doesn't necessarily mean that you are very diverse, right? Um and get out there, be empathetic, uh, understand the challenges that uh, and opportunities that that some of those folks that that you want to, you know, have in your organization um, uh, are going through, right? And support them, and 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 be closer to the ground, right? It's it's easy to say we do that, but but actually, you know, um, I. If you hire people from other countries, like, yeah, what good is it if you just sit in London and, and manage them, right? Or talk about them uh, when you haven't even set foot in their maybe country or experienced their culture. Um, so empathy goes a long way uh, and people recognize that. Um, and and they, they will be, you know, they'll want to get out of bed and, and do what they need to do uh, if if that's if they feel that all around them, not just from a leader, but from everyone in the organization, right? Absolutely. You all, you've been listening to Diz and he has spent the last 20 something minutes with us sharing his experience, sharing his life. And he is really an OG in tech. <laughs> no matter how much he doesn't like to be called that. And um, you can share, subscribe, and tell somebody about this podcast because I know everything that has been shared today is very, very relevant to a lot of people. Um, these you write angel checks 
into companies. Um, what are the things you you look out for when you want to invest in anybody, any venture, anything? I I know it's easy to say, and everyone says it, but it's, you know, I it's people. Ultimately, you know, and these are early; these are seed, pre-seed, and you know, most of them pre-seed. Uh, it sounds really ridiculous, but sometimes I'm thinking as I'm talking to, or as I have maybe even a second or third conversation with someone is, do I want to go spend my evening having a meal or a conversation or coffee with this person? And it just feels like 20 minutes could go on for three hours. Um, that, that's when I want to back someone, uh, because trying to like do all this spreadsheet stuff on like, is this a hundred X return and what's the market and all of these things, these are so early, they're going to change 17 times before they become anything or not become anything. Um, and ultimately then it's people and, um, yeah, I, I just want to back good people and then it doesn't matter how and where this kind of opportunity goes. Of course, there's a certain element of like, you know, what is this doing in terms of technology? Do I get it? Can I be helpful? You know, the two things I have in my back pocket are network and experiences. Like, can those be helpful to this founder in this journey? You know, then I'd like to help. But ultimately, do I want to spend time with this founder? Because, it, you know, I am going to be around them for the next, if I'm lucky, six, eight, ten years, right? Um and at that point, I, I, I want to also hang out to them and then be empathetic to their challenges and, and support them through the good times and the bad times. Well, you know, we won't complete this conversation without us talking about where the world is going with tech. Um, there's this whole AI craze. Um, we all know the drama that happened with SVB and all the, all the rest. Um, in terms, let's start with AI. Um, are you impressed with chat GPT-4? What's not to be impressed with, right? Like, and this is just the start. Uh, you know, I don't know. Imagine what chat GPT eight is or what have you, right? Oh, sure. Then it's, would you like, um, you know, just, just say, this is it. It's done. Whatever this thing says is, is the thing that it is. Uh, no, not yet, but I think you're seeing interesting things being built on top of it, on the side of it, alongside it. Um, and that's just good for us, right? As a technology, as technologists, this is the sort of stuff we want to see, but will I be like rushing out to put it into production? Um, you know, small steps, but as a starting point, yeah, it is impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, it, it, I would be doing myself a disservice if I wasn't going to ask um, ask this. How do you see this impacting the African continent? I, you know, I, it impacts the African continent like it impacts everyone else, right? Uh, of course, there's some nuances and, you know, uh, specificity on, on use cases. Um, you know, the future workforce is going to come from the continent. Uh, we have some unique challenges. Um, I think education is a big deal, right? Like where we think about traditional school, university, college, etc. 
Um, all of these things are ripe for disruption. More and more people are getting online. Connectivity charges are dropping. You know, data charges are dropping. Um, yeah, it, I think it's endless. It is endless. Um, but you're going to have to try a lot of things and see what also a very young population, what they make of it, right? Uh, it's, it's, and I'm not in that population anymore. Uh, so I'm always kind of watching and, and sometimes hanging about just, just observing, like, what is it that the next generation of folks, how are they interacting with these things? I think that that's going to be more key. Mm -hmm. You've done so many things over the last few years. You, you I mean, you're an angel investor, you advise people, you're traveling from here to there, trying to, you know, leave your impact across the world. How do you manage your time? Because um, I know very well for people in their careers and people that are even running businesses, at some point they struggle with just keeping their head above water because they're just involved in so many things. How do you manage your time? Badly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly trying to be better at like what's important, right? And what's not. Uh, I, of course, I, I like helping people, so that sometimes distracts me. And, and you know, just before this call, I, I think, you know, I made four introductions to someone that's flying into Lagos this morning, right? I really should have been preparing for this call and, and not doing that. Um, but it's a little bit about how I'm wired as well. I, I enjoy doing different things, uh, but I'm trying to spend more time with family, uh, switch off. You know, I regularly step away from my computer screen and go for a walk. Um, don't take my phone with me. Um, I try to watch my screen time. Uh, it's improving. It's, it's, but it's not great. Um, weekends, Fridays, I don't try and do anything. I know that's a, that's a privilege, right? But I try to catch up with reading my books. Um, blog posts, etc. I'm still online, maybe, but I'm trying not to do work. So just trying, trying to be mindful of it, but not going like um, with very stringent rules right now. I also put things ahead in my in my in my calendar, even simple things, believe it or not, like um, like fitness. I mean, I don't necessarily enjoy running, but I do have a treadmill, which means I don't have to get on the get outside and and run. But I have a calendar entry a few times a week that just says run days run. And that means that if anyone asks for a meeting during that time, I just say no. Um, so it's little hacks like that that I've, that I've been employing that, um, that just help me, you know, at times uh, be better at the time management thing. Yeah, that hack about the calendar, I, I recently started doing it and it somewhat has made me more efficient, right? I put everything in the calendar. Like you say, you want to go to the gym, I put it in the calendar. You want it a, a time to just think through things, I put it in the calendar, you know, so that I'm forced to actually do those things or something is just reminding me to say, hey, you promised yourself you were going to do this, so you have to do it. Um, yeah, and I, 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 you know, and, and mine, it's recurring. I don't do it every week. It's recurring now. Like the fitness thing is recurring. It's always in my calendar three times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, when working with clients that I have some of my advisory roles, I actually have chunks of time recurring blocked out of my calendar. And that's just a reminder that 
hey, some focus time on client A or C or B or whatever the case may be. And yes, that doesn't mean that that's the only time I'm doing work for them, but it just uh, brings me back to like, hold on, you don't have a meeting now. You've fallen behind on this. You have the opportunity to catch up now. Wow. True. That's a good way of thinking about it. We've come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for spending time with us. However, I have one last question. <laughs> um, what is your advice to young people as they experience this new world, new world in terms of the global economic slowdown, you know, the huge layoffs that are happening and, you know, the uncertainty that is so rife? Uh, try and be positive. Try and, you know, figure out your the way the way that you can have an impact on the things that are coming down, the things that are important to you. Um, I always come back to build network and relationships. Uh, those are the things that help you navigate, right? Uh, you can't do it all yourself. So be helpful, pay it forward, right? As, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be quid pro quo. Do it as many times as possible. It will, it will stand you in good stead in the future. Um, you know, travel if you can. If that if that allows you, sometimes even in your own country, right? Uh, it took my wife, who's Dutch, to make me a tourist in my in South Africa when we went and lived out there for for oh, two years. She would pick up the equivalent of a lonely plan and say, "I want to go there." And literally, I remember once it was something that read "Shishluyam uh, Filosi Game Reserve," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And then I, I read a bit more, and it said the oldest proclaimed national park in Africa. And I was like, "That really sounds interesting." And then I was like, "Hold on, this is a hundred kilometers from where I live. Like, you could drive there in two hours, two and a half hours." Yet I'd never done it throughout my life, right? And so it took someone else to make me a tourist in my own country. Um, so you can do it even in your own country. It doesn't happen means you have to, you know, get on planes, trains, automobiles, what have you. Um, yeah, so, so be curious, listen, like listen a lot. Um, and then start, start kind of figuring out the things that, that you really want to get out of bed for, right? Um, even if sometimes that that's hard to achieve, stay focused on, on what you want to get out of bed for, as opposed to sometimes, you know the thing I need to do. Mm. Stay focused on the things, the thing you want to get out of bed. Is that how you put it? I'm going to go back and transcribe this. Anyways, thank you yeah. so much for spending time with us. Um, these, I, I knew you have a long day ahead and you have to rest. Thank you once again. Thanks a lot, man. That's all on today's episode of The Grinders Table. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MonsieurOM. That's at Monsieur for Miss Time French OM. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.